And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is July the 3rd, 2018, and tomorrow we celebrate the Festival of Freedom, (laughs) July the 4th. Anyway, anyway, uh, I panicked last night and I looked up a film, a movie called Confirmation. And I thought, my God, if the Democrats allowed Clarence Thomas to be, uh, selected, uh, God knows what they'll do this time around. Keep your fingers crossed that somebody, somebody's paying attention somewhere. Uh, I, uh, can't remember now. Uh, it's been almost 30 years, 27 years since Clarence Thomas arrived at the court, but he's done a hell of a lot of damage in that time. And of course, he's still relatively young. Uh, the guy that, or the woman, or the person, or the judge who sits on the court as the ninth, uh, the ninth voice, uh, is not just, him. well, it's, it's much, I think it's more important than the presidency, but that's just my point of view. Uh, I think if you look closely at the uh, situation, uh, you'll just panic, as I did. There's no way uh, that we can get anybody who's even middle of the road. Now, that's it. Judge Judge Kennedy was a middle-of-the-roader. I remember when he arrived on the scene, I remember writing him up. And he seemed reasonable, but certainly no lefty. Uh, I don't know. His decision to leave the court, I, I, I can't forgive him, but what the hell. Uh, you do what you have to do. We were afraid that it would be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, she's managed to hang on. Uh, goddess bless her. Uh, I thought about it last night and, uh, I remember a film, a movie, it's on HBO, it's called Confirmation. If you can look it up, you'll be fascinated. I I still remember the actors. Uh, the one who played Clarence Thomas was awesome. I, I thought it was a documentary. Uh, the Anita Hill 
character. Uh, she was wonderful in the scene where she goes home to tell her parents that she's about to go in front of a uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee and uh, become, well, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, the one in Babylon, uh, the public, the, uh, well, the, Jokes about her were incredible until, of course, she appeared and began to speak. And then you see the people in Washington watching her and saying, oh, my God, you know, she is for real. Uh, she is intelligent and she didn't want to be there. She was asked by, you know, the powers that be. Uh, I don't think I don't think uh, I remember the wife of the real Clarence Thomas, I saw her at the hearings for a moment, and I thought, my God, what is she thinking? She is a uh, white woman. She's been busy in conservative causes ever since, so obviously I I uh, didn't understand. But in the film, Confirmation, uh, you see him, you see Clarence Thomas struggling, trying to say something intelligent to his wife, and she just looks at him, but... Uh, I can't figure out how it is that it happened so quickly. Now, several Democrats have said that uh, the confirmation was slipped by them. They'd been away for the weekend, and uh, the other senators came back and, and voted for confirmation. I, I don't know how it happened. I still can't figure it out. But uh, the committee chairman was Joseph Biden. Aha, our own Joseph Biden, the character as played in the film is kind of bullied and pushed into uh, just accepting the situation I I still can't figure out how Joe Biden could have let that happen but uh, I have to say he wasn't paying attention uh, I think that those hearings um, were so painful I, I remember thinking how on earth could they could they confirm this guy? Uh, she was obviously telling the truth, Anita Hill. I guess they just didn't care. Uh, I guess, I guess Clarence Thomas will be there certainly for the rest of my lifetime and probably, uh, probably another 20 years, I'm afraid. Uh, now, traditionally, the seat that Clarence Thomas took was the black seat on the court, uh, famously occupied by Thurgood Marshall. <laughs> no, no right winger, Thur Thurgood Marshall. Uh, a lot of of the commentary is about how uh, Thurgood Marshall would be appalled by what was happening. He was, of course, a progressive, famous, famous for. Uh, upholding civil rights and uh, Clarence Thomas represents the antithesis of Thurgood Marshall <clears throat> I'm coughing here I'm sorry I nearly slept through my show today <laughs> I, I must be slipping yes uh, an effort was made to stop that confirmation uh, yes by Anita Hill but but you know uh before anybody could get it together, she she was, um, what is it, sent back home and there was a row, a list of other women who were going to come and speak about Clarence Thomas and they were all told to 
split, I remember thinking the next one coming up was much more, um, I don't know how to put it, uh, not raw, but she was a tough, tough woman and she would have said things in a different, different tone. Uh, she had no, none of Anita Hill's gracious lady manners. Uh, I think that the sexual harassment issue, you know, had but had barely surfaced at that time, and uh, Clarence Thomas was one of those in the government supposed to be dealing with harassment. <laughs> when she worked for him, she said that it meant a lot to her, the work they were doing, which is why she didn't quit. Uh, now, I still think that uh, if there'd been another week... Everything would have been different. Now, this time, this time, I just hope that the Democrats will get it together and have a plan, at least. I don't see how they can stop it. Uh, Trump, let's see, he has two years. Yes, he's got more than two years to go. When President Obama was prevented from uh, being able to put uh, a, a good judge on the court, Gorich, uh was his name he uh, he actually was the first to congratulate the, the, the last winner poor guy i guess they all know what's going on uh i don't know uh i don't know what was happening then i just know that uh president obama simply could not get his uh his pick on the court they simply wouldn't they, they just wouldn't even convene the committee uh i don't know how they can do that exactly i i'm not sure the constitution just says the president will appoint and the congress will uh, advise advise but advise and consent oh dear obviously um they can they can stop a president from choosing the justice he wants on the court uh I just don't know. I just don't know. There's such a chilly wind blowing in the country right now. Uh, I don't know if there's any way to stop this happening. The uh, question, of course, is uh, moot because we don't have we don't have a uh, selectee yet. But uh, I believe I heard I heard the president say that he he uh, was going to look at his list of conservatives. He did say conservatives. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid we're in for uh, another horrible TV show. Once again it's called Confirmation and it's on HBO uh, I think I think uh, I don't think I think my show last Tuesday uh <laughs> It went out halfway through some technical difficulty, but I remember I was talking about George Bernard Shaw, and he was talking about the follies of the left wing. He said, we should have had socialism long ago, but for the socialists, uh, indeed, let's hope that together uh, Democrats can make a difference this time Uh I guess uh, Shaw is so interesting. He says that you mustn't sacrifice yourself to others. No, not in personal relations anyway. He didn't 
Well, he wasn't talking about the sacrifice that we human beings make, the sacrifices made to aid society. Uh, I think of Thurgood Marshall's compassion, the passion for all, that's what compassion is. Agape, agape. I don't think we're going to see that on on this go-round. Uh, of course, the court is always a five-to-four situation, and uh, Justice Kennedy was usually the swing vote. I'm afraid that uh, this time we're in for uh, a grim, a grim, uh, what would you call it, right-wing uh, majority straight through. Shaw says that uh, those to whom you sacrifice yourself dislike you in the end. When I look at these politicians, I, I think that's all true. Uh, <laughs> there is uh, plenty evidence in the case of uh, women I'm not sure that Shaw got it right because it seems to me that so many men and women too uh, look at someone who devotes themselves to to uh, another person, to a cause. Uh, I think these people sometimes when they sour, when they, what we say, burn out, uh, we assume that they... Uh, are just tired. I think they've given up on their fellow man. Uh, anyway, service to others is overrated, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and a Supreme Court justice must be someone who's got the ultimate uh, compassionate point of view. Now, uh, anybody who is put on that court soon... Uh, is going to affect the lives of not just our children, but our grandchildren. Uh, I think, I think we ignore this stuff at our peril. Uh, I don't think people are going to pay very much attention. They surely didn't pay attention back in, I believe it was 91 when Clarence Thomas was put on the Supreme Court. He doesn't talk, you know. He, I think he's given maybe one or two interviews, but he, he does not express himself uh, in uh, public venues. He, he writes it down, cover his uh, posterior, you know. Uh, okay. Uh, I wish I wish I could say that... Uh, some of this, some of this might change. Uh, it's complicated. That that that's the new phrase, the new little mantra. Every time you hit a wall, uh, you just say, "Oh, it's complicated." It's a, a wonderful phrase. I I have several. Mine this year is always. I don't know. I don't know. As a very young woman, I used to just say, you know, you know, you know, and hang on to people's arms and try to get them to see my point of view. But I never do that anymore. I just just sigh and say, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, ah, folks, best of times, worst of times, whatever. Uh, I was thinking on the 
Fourth of July, I watched a little television, and I thought to myself, uh, <laughs> "I, I don't hear, I don't hear America singing. I really just don't." Uh, you remember Walt Whitman said that America was singing, and I think uh, we may have, we may have. Uh, Oh, we may have dropped the ball this season. I uh, I looked up a whole bunch of stuff about how you behave and act when your democracy begins to sour, change. Uh, think of the Roman Republic, death of Caesar, all kinds of things. Apparently, Caesar actually was trying to be a little more uh, humane at the time he was killed by his fellow men. The senators decided that he'd had enough enough chances to be uh, their advocate. Uh, anyone, anybody who decides to be the people's advocate <laughs> is is going to be in deep trouble. Oh, whatever. That was the phrase I liked the best. One word, pardon me, not a phrase, one word. Whatever. I even bought a little neon a sign that blinked on and off saying whatever uh i've never been able to replace it uh i i got it at walgreens i think and uh there aren't any more there weren't any more i never can figure out where these things go that little neon sign met its demise out in the bolinas people's store i <laughs> i i wish i could replace it uh something Something, uh, a new bumper sticker, uh, response to the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Uh, okay, so many of us uh, try to communicate, those who try to communicate on social media, I think their voices just just go off into the stratosphere and they are never heard again. Yes, bumper sticker, that's what I need, a bumper sticker, a label, something to tell me what to, at least, not what to do, but what to think. Oh, well, so, whatever. So, today, I'll try, I'll try with the words. (laughs) It's complicated, I love it. We can embrace ambiguity, that's what it means, yes, it's complicated, Ambiguity is what it's all about. I believe they call that uh, situational ethics. Uh, They labeled Bill Clinton with that term, situational ethics. Yes, well, you do have to do what needs to be done or what can be done. Uh, I think that it's all a very mixed bag. I think everything depends on your motive. The motive is what morality is all about now morality says george santayana is the desire to lessen suffering on earth every time something's going on we try to ask ourselves just how much suffering can be alleviated by our sacrifice by our actions by our efforts uh our sacrifice to others, sacrifice even to ourselves, should an artist or a scientist ignore 
the needs, the immediate needs of his family and friends in order to pursue his art or science, you know, the goal, yes, higher goal. Art, art, yes. Give the world truth and beauty and <laughs> let your children go to the dogs. We all know uh, what that's all about anyway. There's a TV series out that I like very much called Genius. There have been two two seasons. The first season was uh, Albert Einstein. And the season running now is Pablo Picasso. Very different points of view, but also men who certainly didn't stop to consider others. They simply went for what they thought was important. Uh, and their families, of course, do suffer. Uh, uh, lovers, children, what the hell. Still, I think that the great gifts that these two men uh, offered... Uh, well, you you have to be you have to be wise to know what it's all about. I mean, it's complicated. Uh, when Einstein was appealed to by political activists to participate in the fight against fascism, he said that politics was irrelevant in his scheme of things. Physics is eternal. He's right about that, I guess. Uh, he didn't think it was worth his time because uh, fascism, he thought, was just maybe something that was a phase. That was true enough. Uh, but finally, he does act when fascism invades his personal space. One of his oldest friends, uh, and even though uh, he takes no thought about his own Jewish heritage doesn't seem to be interested in that, uh, uh, not worth his time, but as the militarism arises around him, he says it's just, well, same old, same old, human nonsense, and then one morning, you know, there's a Zen slap, and he wakes up. Uh, later, the uh, U.S. <laughs> security agents want to bar him from entrance to the United States. This is kind of a shock to him. His wife, of course, uh, straightens things out, tries to explain what he really means with his maybe anarchist philosophies. Uh, uh, the the um, character in Washington is wonderful. He, of course, thinks Einstein is a communist. Same old, same old. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was suspicious. Uh, let's see. Einstein's wife, Elsa, is a wonderful character in this show, Genius. Uh, she's played by Emily Watson, one of the great English actresses. Uh, she <laughs> She's very patient with him. Uh, he kind of reaches out for any woman within reach, uh, Picasso goes out and scoops them up. He runs into one on the street always and says, I want to paint you. And sure enough, next thing you know, she is his lover. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Pablo Neruda knew better than all those guys. He knew that art is always beyond politics. 
is never above it. Well, that's a good line, yes. Art is always beyond politics, but it's certainly never above it. Uh, the artist lives in his own time, and he has to pay attention. Then slap, yes. We live in a society, a culture, an era, a place, and a time, and there are limitations. There are also freedoms, you know. Things are changing everywhere. As the stand-up comic, uh, Mort Saul, back in the 50s, said, maintain a consistent position. You'll eventually be tried for treason. It's true, true, true. Uh, We must adapt, adapt. At the same time, stand fast to the eternal verities. Picasso is persuaded at one point in uh, his show, he is persuaded to paint Guernica. That was his contribution. He thought his lover, Dora Mar, persuades him that it's very important to pay attention. This little village in Spain was blown to, uh, blown to you know where. Uh, he tries to uh, pull himself together remembering that he was, uh, of course, is a Spaniard. So he he knows that the terrorist government of Francisco, Francisco Franco is a pretty bad scene. Uh, the Spanish Civil War back in the 1930s drew conscientious people from all over the world many of whom died over there in Spain. I think of so many. Uh, the Lincoln Brigade is a group of Americans. Uh, they they were still meeting. I remember recalling one of their dinners. Uh, oh, gosh. It was somewhere in Jack London Square in the, I think, in the late 70s. I was writing for the local newspaper Grassroots, and I went to this dinner with the Lincoln Brigade and there was still a hell of a lot of people uh, well maybe it was their maybe it was their families their children but anyway uh, Ernest Hemingway you know wrote all about that uh, he loved to go to war just so he could get material you know I mean I don't think he would have put it that way but he knew he knew it's complicated uh in a farewell to arms, it is the woman who dies. I think he was very astute about things like that. Uh, we know that the wars women fight are only just beginning to emerge in our consciousness, uh, in literature anyway. Uh, in a farewell to arms, the woman dies in childbirth and <laughs> Helen Hayes did a terrific job uh, Gary Cooper was extremely poetic uh, <laughs> until he got in front of a committee himself back in Washington. I am ashamed to say that Gary Cooper was not a national hero. He, uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he condemned communism and so forth. Uh, I think of the women emerging in literature trying trying to say stuff. Uh, George Sand tried. 
books are forgotten. George Eliot certainly tried, and I think her books still stand, but they're they're not fun like Jane Austen. Uh, hmm. I think, you know, George Sand did try to... Well, she slathered her stories with romance. She thought then she would be read. Uh, George Eliot was so profound, I think, that she still is uh, one of those women writers who has to be unpacked. I haven't had a chance to tell you any of the things I meant to tell you today, probably because I'm still waking up. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> I'll be on the air again next week if I if I can learn to stay awake in the daytime. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till next Tuesday, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Join us Wednesday, July 4th, as KPFA celebrates the true spirit of the day with Voices of Independence. Voices of Independence captures the movements, the activists, and the uncompromising truth in the fight for justice. Listen to the voices of James Baldwin, Gore Vidal, Dolores Huerta, Frank Zappa, among many, many more. That's July 4th, all day long on 94.1 FM, the Bay's home of independence, KPFA. Only a few years back, Thomas Frank wrote the New York Times bestseller, What's the Matter with Kansas? Now he asks a similarly damning question about the entire nation. In his new book of scathing commentaries, Rendezvous with Oblivion, we present Thomas Frank himself Wednesday evening, July 11th, 7.30 p.m. at St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley. Chris Welch will host. Tickets at brownpapertickets.com and our favorite bookstores.